Hi friends, welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined today by, on my right, your left, Stephanie Lee. Stephanie Lee. <laughs> that was my cue. That was your cue. <laughs> okay. And you've left right. And Stephanie, I've known you for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And now usually when I start the show, it's like Stephanie Lee of such and such. And, but you are Stephanie Lee of like the world. You are Stephanie Lee, citizen of many things. Yes. At one point, though, it was of IGN. Right. Yeah. Of IGN. Of IGN. From IGN, you went to... Bodybuilding.com, which is a fitness site based in Boise, Idaho. Oh, Boise. <laughs> Garden spot of the Midwest. Is it? Uh, no, I'd say that's Iowa City. Myself, okay. But uh, that's that's a whole other can of worms. People of Boise may disagree. I think we've got some Boise fans, so we'll find out. After bodybuilding, you went to... The world everywhere. Yeah, the world everywhere. You became a world adventurer, a traveler, a a modern day Indiana Jones. Sort of like a nomad. Oh, a nomad. I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent of like a really cool character, and I can't. Someone that traveled the universe, a Lara Croft, perhaps. Uh, Ooh. A a, uh, a one- slightly less badass and slightly less provocative. Oh, I think you're definitely badass. <laughs> As for provocative, so far the most provocative thing you've said all day is, I like round foods. Um, You said that when you came in right before the show started. Yes, I do like round foods. And the reason that was like top of mind is because I ate a bagel this morning. And I just got back from New York City where I also ate bagels every day. Uh, Are New York bagels as much better as bagels everywhere else as you hear? You know, people say that. And I'm inclined to agree. Maybe it's one of those things where I only agree because people say it. But I did eat like... I want to say 50 bagels over the course of four days. That is a lot of bagels. Uh, in ballpark, 50 bagels. 50 bagels? Uh, I mean, I was really obsessed with them. There's something about like the airiness and the density and just the chewiness that I love, that, that texture. And so I can't get tired of it m- eventually, maybe. But for now, I'm pretty content with those bagels. Now, Stephanie, I have to ask, and I mean this in the kindest way possible, you are a fairly diminutive person. You are... You are uh, you are not uh, a, a large human being. Where do 50 bagels go? <laughs> Hopefully uh, towards energy and, yeah. and, I, and weightlifting. That's one of the reasons I went to bodybuilding.com um, to pursue fitness and working out and getting super swole and yoked. And you do do that. You might be my most consistently fit friend, uh, I think. Yeah, as long as I've known you, this has been a passion of yours. And whenever I read anything you put on social media, whenever I read the writing you're doing constantly up and again and again and again, this theme of sustainable fitness. Uh, that's really a part of your life. Yeah, you know, it's actually been that way even in IGN. Like I've I've always been like this duality of being like a total nerd with video games and and movies and comics, and then also being really into fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, I mean, I, I've heard arguments. I think it's the Laser Time guys argue that that sports fans are just nerds of a different kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different branch of nerddom. Same kind of obsessiveness. Same yeah. kind of of uh, of fidelity to statistics but on something different are you a fitness nerd yeah i I would say so like right now i am kind of tracking calories to the point of actually knowing the the number of grams of carbohydrates uh proteins and fats and the reason i'm doing this and these are kind of skills i picked up at bodybuilding.com and it sounds super neurotic and insane when i try to explain it but it's just one of those things where uh it just helps me kind of like gives me the energy to, you know, perform in the gym mm-hmm. and it keeps me full, but also gives me kind of like 
the physique I'm kind of working towards. So what's right, the What's the physique you aim for? So right now I'm kind of trying to drop a couple inches around my waist, basically kind of get leaner, mm-hmm. get toned. So yeah, that's why I'm getting nerdy again with the numbers of with the numbers around like my foods. And yet, fifty bagels does fit into this in four days. That w- you know, calories on vacation don't really count. Oh, those are special calories. <laughs> those are special okay. calories. Yeah, I'm. I, as as you're aware, I'm on a ketogenic diet right now, doing keto um, because my my overweight status, my corpulence was so catastrophic that I felt like it would be important for me to start something that would get me toward moving into better he- eating habits step by step. Uh, this is leading me now into calorie counting and, and into nutrient counting, carbohydrate, fat, things like that, just like you were talking about, which is becoming more and more of my everyday life. And so as I drop, I realized, you know, I'm not going to be able to eat this way for the rest of my life sustainably. And I'm starting to look at what the long-term goals for me really are going to be and how I can stay there and still eat a balanced diet. I'm learning a lot about that. I, I Fitness cast with cockets full of soup, just in case you were wondering. But it's important. What's more important than your body and your mind are inextricably connected? Self-care, man. But, you know, I actually love, I love this that you are, that you, ha- that you went to the ketogenic diet with the mindset that you're like, I need to be able to bring myself to a place mentally where I can continue this mm-hmm. long term. Because that's so important. I, I think, um, and a lot of the things... A lot of the time with fitness, it's one of those things where people, a lot of people struggle with it because they think of, they think of things in the really short term aspect, like weeks, months, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But like with anything in life, you know, life hopefully goes on for long years, right? So the fact that you're basically getting into this ketogenic diet so that you could have these, this experience and also have the the rapid weight loss that yeah. comes with ketogenic diet. I don't poo-poo on that at all. Um, I think it's important to kind of build that momentum of kind of having a win. Yeah. As long as your expectations are realistic too, right? And then that kind of kind of segues into other more sustainable ways of eating well and taking care of yourself. I'm totally going to bug you more about this oh, after sure. the show. because Because I've got a long way to go. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, back in uh, back in November, I had a, a nervous breakdown, really, and uh, ended up in, a, a, uh, in mental hospitalization for a while. And that restarted a lot of the way I was looking at my health mm. because a lot of the habits that had led to that breakdown were bad physical, bad mental, bad emotional, uh, bad, that's unhealthy unsustainable. I was neglecting self-care in just about every way possible. And one of the things they kept hammering in was you've got to build plans that are workable today, but this doesn't get fixed today. It's an everyday for the rest of your life thing. So that's where a lot of this awareness for me, I think, has come from. And it's been nice to wake up and feel better when I wake up in the morning instead of worse. That's kind of a new thing for me. What brought you into caring so much about fitness? Um... (laughs) This is this goes back to video games back in the year 2005 when a little known game called World of Warcraft a small game small a humble game, game very humble not too many people played it very niche um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> about this around this time I was like this was me I think I just started college um, but I got really addicted to this game. To the point where a lot, I let a lot of my schoolwork slip 
and also my weight crept up oh, okay. quite a bit. Like I think I gained maybe 30, 40 pounds. It's your first year of college, you say? Yeah, first year or second year. I can't remember. So not uncommon at all for people to gain weight in their first year of college. I certainly did. That yeah. was really where I became, uh, where my unhealthy eating habits really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gained 30, 40 pounds that first year. Um, and and you... this was exacerbated by playing WoW. How, uh, ex- expound. <laughs> well, I mean, you know... If you're not familiar with Vanilla WoW, when it first came out, it yeah. was like one of the most time-consuming things. It's like it's a second job in the way that if you wanted to get them fat loots, you had to invest the time and do these forty-man raids. Where yeah. like I think I haven't really played in the last like five years, but it's forty versus like the ten that you require now to mm-hmm. to to raid a dungeon and get them loots. But like <laughs> forty was like this massive coordinated effort. And you just have to be there. And yep. like the loot system was really crappy. You have like these point systems. So basically it's like what you, what you put in is what you get, right? Like the more hours you put into it, the better <laughs> you can really pimp out your character. Those were those and Leroy Jenkins days, the yes, Halcyon days. That is exactly what it is. And as you know, it is, you know, at the time pimping out my character was a lot more important than my real life. Okay. So that's this kind of the mentality I got into. And I just let my own, um, basically my life spiral out of control. Like I was just eating dinosaur nuggets at the <laughs> dinosaur nuggets and chicken bakes. Oh, and like, I do love dinosaur nuggets. They're so good. So good. And so terrible for you. But hey, they're convenient. They're finger foods while you're raiding. <laughs> they're food that's shaped like dinosaurs. I always bite off the head first. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> do you eat the legs off then afterward, or in the tails, or do like you kind of nibble head around? Head? It? Yeah, like nibble like around. sometimes. But then, yeah. like when I'm really in the middle, of, like doing something, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> you become the dinosaur. <laughs> I become the dinosaur. But like, but like, basically, all of that compounded to just gaining a ton of weight neglecting my health because I wasn't sleeping enough too. So like there came a point where I woke up one day and and also before that, it's like I was actually turning away friends to like people would come over to my house and they actually like knock, they like, they'd like barge in and like invite themselves in. I'm like, all right, cool. You can can hang out in the living room, but I've got a raid right now. So just entertain entertain yourself. Those were the days. So what was the catharsis that moved you away from that? What made you say, wow, as much as I'm enjoying this game, this, the way I'm playing it is not the way I want to live my life. Yeah. I mean, I just realized that I was going, I just woke up one day and just realized like, what am I doing with my life? Like I've basically, uh, it was at this point I had taken, um, a quarter off of school. Um, the school I went to was on a quarter system. Okay. I've take I'd taken a quarter off of school. I was he- the, at the heaviest weight I've ever been, and so the clothes didn't fit. My confidence levels were low, and just all of that came crashing down. And I'm just like, this is not this is not the, the life I want to live. So what did you do? And so basically, I just did what um, most people would start uh, start out doing with you know wanting to lose weight is just eat cereal for a week or two basically that that's kind of like how i got started mm-hmm. just ate um i want to say special case cereal and then just went to the gym um to to work out for like so corn corn products and the gymnasium 
That was your first step. Yes. And cutting out dinosaur nuggets, sadly, and 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 the soda. Um, I can't, you know, I want to say, I want to talk, I really would love to talk more about kind of like specifically how I motivated myself, but I can't really recall, unfortunately. That's okay. Was there like anybody with you or was it mostly yourself? No, it was just me. Wow. But eventually, it's one of those things where, and I think this happens with anything in life, when after some time, maybe a couple weeks, you start seeing some progress, mm-hmm. and that's like a positive reinforcement loop that just motivates you to keep doing more. Yeah, there's a there's a humorist, Dave Barry, um, who says that he believes that restaurants, fancy restaurants, should have a bottom rack on the dessert cart. You know, you go to a fancy restaurant, they always push that cart around with all the desserts on it. There should be a rack of pants at the bottom for people who are dieting. A rack of pants. Yes, yeah, so that while everyone else is eating their desserts, the dieting people can try on pants and feel better about themselves throughout the meal. Um, it's a silly joke, but that that moment where something fits that didn't before, if you've never experienced that, it's really cool. Um, it feels real good. Yeah, it It's does. like a dopamine hit right there. It is. It yeah. is. That's exactly it. It's like, I accomplished something. I did this. Yep. Um, there's hope. Again, it's, it's it's so rare in life in this age of endless... I mean, you and I both work in, in the world of social and content creation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems like there's no end. It's like house cleaning. Mm-hmm. At least this is my impression. That sometimes there's always another thing. And I like that part of it to a degree. But sometimes we forget, you know, we don't we don't garden very much. We don't grow things very much. We forget that you can plant something and grow it. I actually did try to garden in while I lived in Boise, Idaho. Um I do not have a green thumb, I discovered. I killed everything. Killed everything. <laughs> uh, Boise's climate was great for tomatoes, so that was really hard to kill. But granted, since it was a community garden, like my friends basically helped me do all of the planting, and I just kind of like went there and watered it. Okay, well, you know what? You're, but at the end, you had a big, juicy tomato. I had a shit ton. Are we allowed to cuss? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we had a shit ton, or I had a shit ton of tomatoes and green tomatoes so much that I just, like, by the, by the end of tomato season, because you have to, like, yeah. um, harvest them all and make room for new crops or whatever, I had two giant grocery bags just full of, like, these tiny green tomatoes, and I didn't even know what to do with them. But, yeah, I had I, I had that experience. That was interesting. Okay, so I think I've told this story on the show before, but it was a long time ago. The thing about living in small cities or small towns where there's a lot of agriculture, and I used to live in an area like that, is that everybody grows the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you all grow more than you need because you figure you're going to give it away to your friends. But then everybody else is growing it too. And suddenly there's this like massive tomato yes, surplus. That, that was to... the dilemma. <laughs> so we had these friends in D.C. that were from a small town in Maine. Yeah. And they told us this story. They, they were talking one day and they were talking about how it was this wonderful little town. And like nobody even locked their doors uh, except in the summer. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, oh, is that because of the tourists? And they said, no, it's because people would leave zucchini in your car. <laughs> Because there were so many vegetables in town that people were just trying to get rid of their vegetables. They couldn't stand to throw them away. So they would just open your house door and leave them or open your car door and leave them when you weren't around uh, to try to get rid of them. It's uh, like the hop- the opposite hamburglar. Yeah. Where, like he's taking people's burgers, but this is like the zucchini version of that and the opposite of it. And they're actually giving you zucchini. You don't want it. Exactly. Well, you know what? We've, already, we've talked to about take them. round food and we didn't even get to donuts without. We've talked about, we talked about the hamburger. We've talked about dinosaurs getting their heads eaten off and little nuggets. This is already a great start. We're going to come back right after a break here with Stephanie Lee. See you in just a second. And we're back with Stephanie Lee. 
Stephanie, we've known one another for a very long time and we've never met. <laughs> Which actually didn't cross my mind until we actually met. <laughs> yeah, this is really, really strange. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think the first, uh, it's been, you and I have known each other probably six years at least. Yeah. Um, and yet we've never been in the same room. And I'm really excited about this opportunity. It's, it's odd, the very first time we finally sit down, it's on a podcast. It's at a podcast, it's six years later, and it's in LA right before the biggest uh, gaming convention of the year. That's right, right now we are in my top secret layer, my mm -hmm. hidden war room, uh, where thousands of pockets full of soup and hot blip and a jump staff are at work creating all the articles you want for E3. That's not happening. Although there are these fun little Jared directs I'm putting up uh, uh, most nights, which are just me in a corner talking into a camera. It's not all that exciting. <laughs> By the way, I do want to take this moment to thank our Patreon producers, Austin Riley, William Holbert, and Jonathan, whose generous support makes this show possible, and all of you who choose to help Pockets Full of Soup every way that you do. Thanks a lot. All right. So we have known each other forever, and yet today we meet. How did we meet? I, You worked at IGN. You were the, you were, you had a job that doesn't really quite exist there anymore, right? Yeah, that was surprising to me. So uh, I started at IGN writing guides, which I believe is what you also started at IGN doing. Absolutely. And there's still a lot of guide writers there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, guides uh, are huge. Exactly. Like, in many senses of the word. <laughs> well, friends of the show know JR, Brendan Graber, Miranda Sanchez, uh, Casey DeFridis. They're all guide writers there now. Some uh, of those names do sound familiar. Yeah? Yeah. John Ryan and Brendan are both still there. Yeah. Yes. I do know John Ryan. Yeah. That yeah. guy was awesome. Yeah. Well, he is awesome. He, is, he remains awesome. <laughs> yes. He's, uh, he's He's my frequent guest on Red Dead Radio. Ooh, Comes cool. Out yeah. Well, uh, I would have to say, is he in LA right now? Uh, no, John's not here for for Dang. Three. No, Okay. He's not down well, here. So another time, I'll have to say yeah, hi to he's him. He's doing home team this year, unfortunately. Gotcha. But we met through that because you were you started as a guides writer, but then you became kind of guides community. Yeah, at the, mm -hmm. at the time we this was around the time we just transitioned from writing like having one editor just write the entire guide to something, which I did for Skyrim. Oh! I know, that was a monster, and it really, like, to this day, kind of, like, shudder. Wik this wiki platform basically transitioned uh, away, or transitioned the writing of guides from one author to, like, you know, being becoming this collaborative project. Right, community but, projects. Yeah. yeah, so since it was new, though, I had like we needed a role where um, basically you usher people in, you like kind of offer them candy and you're like, why don't you come help for, contribute to this massive project? And it's doing the world a lot of good because people need to beat their video games. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. I believe in the mission of guide writing. To this oh, day. for sure. Uh, people who make guides are blessed souls because it's time consuming and it's fun. But it's a public service, by golly. I still can't. I still can't believe that anyone was able to get through the original Legend of Zelda without a guide. Oh, <laughs> I, I did. I did. But, but, but. Amazing. Yeah, but your friends were your guide. Like that was it. Um, I mean, somebody had somebody, and, and somewhere down there, someone that, had to burn every single bush. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Find Labyrinth Eight. You know, it's funny. I found Labyrinth Eight um, on my own. Um, now, there were plenty of guides out there around that, but I found eight. I was just like, that bush between those two places doesn't belong there. <laughs> and I had the red candle by then, I believe. Or, and I just tried that one and boom. Or is the red candle in eight? Red candle might be in eight. Anyway, I candled it and I had the blue candle and down it went. And I was like, well, I'll be. There's Labyrinth. But I do believe 
that you have to be superhuman to beat the second quest without a guide. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, it doesn't even make sense. Um, Sorry, that was a long tangent on me playing Zelda. (laughs) I Uh, totally opened the door to that. Well, I just wanted to brag about my mad Zelda skills. Oh, noted. Impressed. (laughs) So you you became the community liaison. Yeah, kind of like the the guide community Sherpa. Uh Uh-huh. And... I was just recruiting people, and Jared happened to be one of the people that I talked to because I noticed you were already kind of, you know, dabbling in contributions, and I, I like zero in on those people, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you're already doing it, like I don't. <laughs> and so you ended up opening the door for me to come to IGN. Yeah, uh, like you, you and Eric Sapp, Sam Claiborne, um, it just we wrote back and forth. You liked my silly stuff. You gave me tips on how to make it better, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. And but even when I came to E3 in 2012, um, that year uh, that I came for the community, somehow we never crossed paths. And this was before. This is before I worked there. A year before okay. I worked there, yeah, and I don't we did not that. cross paths there. Um, that was yeah. I was I didn't see all that many of the uh, IGN people during that trip. Actually, gotcha. Sap was the community guy, and he was managing that contest. Mm. And so when I was came into the contest, so even then we didn't cross paths. But we wrote immediately before. We wrote after. We wrote constantly. It felt like we talked all the time. And then what's funny is that. I also was, uh, I was the one who also interviewed you for the job. Right. You interviewed (laughs) me for the job. I was sitting in a closet at my day job interviewing through Skype and you were on the other end. You got me hired. I remember that. I was like, I get to work with Stephanie. And then I left. You left to go to (laughs) Boise, Idaho. And that's something, it's pretty radical. Like a lot of people, obviously when you work in, in uh, games, uh, whether it be in the media fields or the development fields, many people do move on to other industries. Mm-hmm. But you took a pretty radical leap. I did. Um, or so it seemed at the time. So I want to rewind a little bit. Um, I, I, I mentioned earlier that my background and my interests have always been kind of between video games and also fitness yeah. because of that whole wow thing. So they, they intersected anyway, and that just kind of like really stuck with me. Um, but like while I was, while I was there in IGN, I, I constantly in the back of my mind I was like, eventually I feel like I need to get back into fitness or, and just be in the healthcare industry in some aspect. And so when um, basically around the time uh, you apply for the job and we went through the interview process and things like that, I was already kind of thinking about going back to school for mm-hmm. um, nutrition, getting my master's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is your bachelor's in nutrition? Yes. Okay, I didn't That's realize That's what that. I went to school for in Davis. Yeah. So I, came, I wanted to be... Funny story, before I started at IGN, I, I'd, I had been freelancing um, for IGN. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hot. Did, were you freelancing for I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah, so like kind of in a similar uh, boat. Um, but I never dared dreamed to become a full-time writer. So I went to school for something what I thought was more stable, but also I was still interested in it. Uh, I, went, I went to school for clinical nutrition with the dream of becoming a registered dietitian. Okay. Yeah. And so after I graduated, I worked in the hospital for six months, hated it. <laughs> Why did you hate it? There was just so much bureaucratic bullshit. <laughs> in a hospital? In a hospital. Surely not. And like... What I learned, that healthcare team that helps patients, it's a shit show. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the registered dietitians there, they don't get very much respect. So I saw this firsthand because I, I worked as an assistant. 
I didn't have a license at the time. Yeah. Because you have to go through like a year's worth of internships and then you got to take the exam and yada, yada, yada. Um, and after all of that schooling and, you know, their credentials and stuff like that, they don't get respect. They don't get paid very much. And they have to deal with a shitty system, okay. you know, and where then, you felt like you just weren't going to get to spend your time doing the yeah, part of your job you, you cared about. You can't, there's just so like your hands are tied a lot of the time, you know, you can do the right thing for people, but you can't often can't because there's a lot mm. of red tape, that sort of thing. And so I, I realized this and I'm like, oh man, this is, this is not, maybe this is not the path I want to go down. And just so happens because of my previous freelancing uh, with IGN, it just so happened that a position, a full-time position opened up at mm-hmm. IGN and Mark Ryan. Uh, Mark Sully, Ryan Sully. Love that guy. Owe him so many thanks. Him yeah. and Colin Moriarty as mm-hmm. well. Good um, people. Yeah. Uh, they were like, hey, we have a full-time opening. Um, would you be interested? And so it was me and one other dude, Andrew, forgot his last name. Okay. Um, we pitted against each other. <gasps> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> like in in the Matt Thunderdome? Phys- Matt physically. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Hope, unfortunately, but I you were the say. two finalists. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, so what, what put you over the top? Um, I think it was just like the chemistry and the culture fit. Okay. Yeah. With the team. So. And so you came they to gave me, Yeah, they gave me the full-time job and I was like, peace, hospital. I'm going to go write about video games for a living instead and change the world that way. And then you did, and you did great work. A lot of your work is still up on IGN, uh, and and still go back and read a lot of it. And I have, and you did great work, and you were wonderful in community. But Thank then, you. but then, now you you said you went to UC Davis, so you're you're a local girl, right? Yes. San Francisco for life. Mm-hmm. And then um, Boise, Boise. I realized I did not want to go to masters because or get my masters because. That was, I realized, and this is like, we're getting into kind of like some heavy stuff. I realized it was just my, it was just, I was lost. I, I, I thought going back to school would just help me find the way again. Mm-hmm. That it was like the right thing to do. I'm using, I'm using air quotes right now. But you thought there was a next step to your life and you didn't know what it was. Yes. Is that what happened? That you had done what you'd come to do in, in the games realm and you had another thing you wanted to go to and but you didn't know what it was i didn't know what it was and i thought that going back to school would catapult me in that the right direction and i'm and i'm really glad i did not go back to school this is only me looking back now because there's so many you know first of all i think the masters would not have done me any good and i'd just be deeper in debt (laughs) (laughs) there is that (laughs) two downsides um but also if i had gone to school I wouldn't have been able to take the bodybuilding.com offer that came my way very shortly after. Okay, so um, bodybuilding.com of Boise, Idaho reaches out to you and you've been you you've been looking for something to bring you back into that field of healthcare, human care. What did they want you to do? It was such serendipity that they were a fitness company but also a content creation or a digital publishing company mm-hmm. too. They had a a digital publishing department. So basically it's doing what I've always done, which is writing, creating content, um, trying to be awesome at content. And then, except instead of video games now, I just talk about working out and fitness, being your best self and all that stuff, right? Things you care about also. Yeah. Another group of that. You've gotten to work on things you care about a lot. Yeah, you know, but it was, there was a lot of hesitance 
hesitation on my part because I've never lived outside of California. Oh, was that was that the biggest like thing that made you nervous? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, like I'd be going into Boise, I'd be dropped into Boise, not knowing a single soul other than the person who hired me, and I only knew him over you know mm-hmm. text and email and phone call. Had you ever seen the city when you when you took the job? Uh, they flew me out there for like a tour, you wow. know, to show me all the. Flatlands. <laughs> okay, flat so so, the, so let's talk about your first impression. <laughs> Having never been to to Idaho, and by the way, Idaho is one of those places that I've still missed. I, I've been to most of the parts of the country now, but I still haven't gotten to Idaho. It's one of the few Midwestern states I haven't gotten to visit. What's it's beautiful? What's is it beautiful? Yes, okay. it is actually. Uh, it's mountainous in one part and flat in the other, right? Gosh, there's so many geographical. Uh, is it geographic? No, that's not the word. We'll um, say geographic. Geographic um, landscape changes yeah. in just a small kind of, you know, it's just a small radius, and it's like, it's, I, I it's, when I when I talk about when I talked about Boise earlier, it sounds like I was like, oh, Boise, Idaho, like that's actually the reaction I get a lot of from a lot of the time when people hear that I lived in Boise for like, really, you lived in Idaho, and I'm like, yeah, I did. But I actually loved living there. Oh, expound. Yeah, I I loved it. And I still think it's one of the best decisions. Probably, if I can count the number of pivotal moments in my life that, like, really put me where, put me, like, placed me where I am today, then I'm very happy with um, moving. The decision to move to Boise was definitely one of them. Like, it's probably one of five things. Can you you say what did it? What what was it about it that changed your life for the better? Because you've kind of inferred that... At the time you didn't enter the master's program, that mm-hmm. you felt confusion, frustration. Mm-hmm. Bodybuilding came along and it turned out to work out. Well, what was it about that, that that opened doors for you? What what about that changed your life? Um, I'm looking back right now, and I think it's a combination of things. First, there was an immediate offer to do something, right? <laughs> Obviously, that's it's just it's like a shiny thing kind of dangling in front of me. So it's like there is a lot of appeal there, mm-hmm. but mostly <clears throat> I felt if at the time, I felt like I was in a bit of a rut in California. And so my mindset was, if something is not working out in California, then I need to shake things up Ooh. real good. And so moving to Boise, Idaho, was that shakeup. That what, was my leap of faith, kind of. What was the best thing about Boise? The fact that there weren't, so, it wasn't a big city. There were less distractions. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll expound on that. Having always lived in bigger cities throughout California, uh, that was my first time being dropped in a place where it's just like a lot of less stuff going on. And also the culture is very, very different from California. Less diverse, a lot smaller, just different things to do. But what it taught me was just being more comfortable being by myself. Because what I found out in these big cities, there are just so many distractions, so many people you can see and meet, so many bars you can go to, so many activities. And what I learned was that those were all just sort of distractions from yourself, hmm. from kind of feeling yourself, thinking about yourself, or just thinking your own thoughts, <laughs> that sort of thing. If that makes sense. It's like letting, your, letting yourself really soak in the essence of you, I guess. No, <laughs> that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so that's what Boise taught me because there was really nothing else for me to do. Um, and because of that, I was able to calm down and just really take on a different different perspective 
And also in Boise, that's where a very new work ethic kind of came about for me. A new work ethic? What was that? Yeah, so that's where I started taking up kind of like side hustles or learn new skills where I started dabbling in YouTube. And that actually that actually gave me a lot of, um, that was actually very fulfilling for me because it was a different kind of creative muscle to flex. I've mm -hmm. always written. So, you know, telling stories through video was so fascinating and so interesting that this just kind of opened my mind to, oh, so this is what it's like to actually have a lot of fun, you know, putting it, even though I'm putting in so many hours, putting in a lot of work for no real tangible reward. Like I wasn't getting thousands of dollars on these videos. It's just putting in the work and then just feeling really proud of those accomplishments. And that's what I mean by kind of um, this new work ethic. Because it, it wasn't something that I did before. I just would um, just do the bare minimum and just get by. And now yeah. you were making something for the sake of making it. Yes. Crafting it. Yes. That's really cool. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it sounds kind of familiar. We're going to step away because we got to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about the story of Stephanie Lee, world traveler. Be right back. And we're back. So from San Francisco for life to Boise, Idaho for bodybuilding, talking about health and fitness and things you cared about. And you mentioned earlier being a content creator and being uh, kind of proud of that. Um, what's it like making things for a living? Because it's, it's what you do, right? It, it is what I do. I do. I do make things. I write words. Kind of bang my fingers against a keyboard, and just somehow something like what it, <laughs> the word escapes my readable yeah. <laughs> comes out. So yes, I ha I've been doing that for a long time, and I still continue to do that to this day. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it feels great. Like it's you know it's weird sometimes. You know, I see other artists, you know, like yourself or, you know. <laughs> Do I count as an artist? <laughs> I, I think so. I'm a creative, you know. You're kind. And I, I feel like I'm, do I consider myself a creative? Am I a creative? I don't know. Yes, absolutely you are. No, writing is art and what you do is absolutely art. Thank, oh, I appreciate that. Sometimes, I don't know, like it's one of those things where like when you look at yourself, you're like, oh, I'm. I'm a fraud. Oh, I, sure. I, I kind of have those thoughts. I, yeah, I feel like that pretty much every day. Yeah. Yeah. Imposter syndrome, is. Mm -hmm. I think that comes with creating to, for a lot of folks, except yeah. the, the blessed arrogant among us. Um, I really wish I could be more arrogant than I am. It would make my job far easier. You know? <laughs> well, I believe even the most arrogant among us have those little <laughs> little moments of like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think that's humanity, yeah. right? I mean, well, self-doubt's a survival instinct to a point. And to a degree, I, be, I do think that having imposter syndrome is a great thing because it, do, it then motivates us, you know, um, intrinsically to be better and just keep putting out, yeah. like, just basically trying to outdo ourselves. And that's what I feel like I, uh, uh, I do constantly. It's like, I just want to keep getting better and better at my craft. There have been some points where I have gotten arrogant and, and thought like oh i don't need to learn how to write anymore and by the way i've never even had any formal writing background it's just all been over the years writing for fun and somehow 
people are like, let me give you money for it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Well, you write, you grow, you learn, and you're willing to be edited. I mean, these places you're writing for are curated, and that's a lot of it. That's how you become a better writer is yes. other good writers teach you things. And yes. being open to that. People ask me a lot about getting work and writing. A lot of it is just being willing to let people change what you write. For sure. And trust them. I mean, for the better part, like I, I've been writing technically for 18 years now. And for perhaps maybe 12 of those, 12, 13 of those years, it's all been technical writing, like the strategy guide writing, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, very much more straightforward, not as much creative flowery stuff, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so when I went to bodybuilding.com and then later Lifehacker and then these other publications that I now write for, like New York Times and GQ and things like that, I had to really learn to flex my creative writing side. Mm -hmm. And the, but there's still many aspects of kind of like my guide writing carrying over. Um, but it's just one of those things where I just keep constantly working on my craft. What's the most fun thing you've gotten to write? The one where you're just like, woohoo! Like, I, huh. well, recently I wrote a piece on kind of like my background, and we can get into this, uh, of the last two years where um, there's this kind of this subset of people called digital nomads. Are you familiar with that term? I am, okay. uh, largely because of you and your writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so digital nomads is this, I actually really loathe using it. It's such a buzzword, but it describes a group of people who, um, they, don't, they don't need a set location to do the work that they do. Mm -hmm. So they can go vagabond around the world and still make money because their work is online. Mm -hmm. So that was what I did right after bodybuilding.com. Um, and so going back to that story, if you're interested in hearing it, Jerry. I am very interested in okay, hearing it. Okay, I will tell you. Um, so part of that work ethic I told you about, where I developed, I, it kind of led, and all the YouTube videos that I made for fun, uh, kind of led, or kind of actually was uh, born out of this, this desire to escape Boise, Idaho eventually. Because after a year of being there, I, I didn't, uh, I mean, I didn't have a, fa I didn't have family there. I didn't have my longtime friends there. You know, I had work friends, but it's, it's different, you yeah. know, when you don't have that kind of close knit of people to surround yourself with. So eventually I called it self-imposed isolation and eventually it felt kind of, it felt lonely. Hmm. So one of, one of the things I thought about was just like, okay, maybe there's something here with the videos or other other work that i'm doing on the side that can eventually take me out of idaho mm -hmm. uh, and so kind of like hatched this plan and this plan was <laughs> uh hoping that bodybuilding.com would let me do remote work oh okay yeah so that you could and where did you want to go first did you know i wanted to go to japan Ooh. That was like entirely my plan. Fans of Pockets Full of Soup know that Jared is now very interested. Please continue. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Stephanie, but I talk about Japan a little bit. Uh, yeah, now, you told me about Japan and how Pocket Full of Soups came about. That was... Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk I about that. I ramble about Japan a lot. Anyway, please continue. I so love you Japan. Wanted, you wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to live there. I wanted to have the means to live there long term. Okay. But not like necessarily as a, a Japanese resident or anything, mm -hmm. right? I just wanted to be able to be there long term and not mm -hmm. uh, worry about like, oh no, what do I do for work and that sort of thing. So initially I had this plan to just work remotely with bodybuilding.com and 
it, it was like a year-long plan where I just focused on getting really, really, really good at what I did. Okay. You know, and just kind of pushing the boundaries of how many days I can work uh, from home. And eventually it got to the point where um, I was like, I can't wait any longer. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> winter is coming to Idaho. Winter is coming to Idaho. Midwestern and winters. You're coming from California. Like winter is serious shit. Okay? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I got to make, I got to pull the trigger now and ask the company and my boss if they're comfortable with letting me work remotely because if not i have to make the moves to leave idaho before winter hits because then that would keep me in idaho uh, much longer than i wanted to because yeah. at that point i was really just tired of being isolated you, you know? wanted to be in a different place I and experience be, new things yeah. yeah um and also just be back with my friends and family but that was initially my thought, and ironically, what I did afterwards did not put me close to my friends and family. But anyways, um, the, basically, they didn't let me work remotely. Okay. And so I said, okay, well, unfortunately, I, I'm going to quit. Okay. But at the time, uh, I had already been freelancing with Lifehacker.com. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was on such good terms with my whole team and my boss that they're like, you know, we're, it's, we're really sad to see you go, but we'd also love for you to be freelancing for us. Okay. So I, I'm very pragmatic. I'm a very pragmatic person and I would never like dare to go to Japan for months at a time without, without knowing that I have some sort of financial security and savings and all these sorts of things. Right. So knowing that I had freelance gigs yep. lined up. I just took off to Japan. I bought a one-way ticket to Tokyo, and I stayed there for three months. Wow. Mm -hmm. You stayed in Tokyo the whole time? Not the whole time. I, I kind of... Yeah, actually, most of the time, but I moved around Tokyo a little bit. Okay. I wondered. What neighborhoods were you staying uh, in? So I was in uh, Ikejiri Ohashi. Okay. I know where that is. That's near Shibuya. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I was also... Gosh, I can't remember the names now. It's That's been okay. a while. It's been a while. But I had some friends, too, that... that uh, that lived in different... Are they called wards? Uh, wards is the English translation. Chos, I think, is yeah. probably what you mean. Uh, in, um, in Tokyo. So kind of mm -hmm. like would stay there to yeah. like stay with friends a couple, uh, a couple weeks here and there. Like however long they're, they're willing to let me stay mm -hmm. with them. But eventually I found out like, huh, well, I could be in Asia and still make money. Yeah. And I don't have to be back anywhere. No one's waiting for me. And also... Traveling around Asia once you're in Asia is really cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once you've got that first hop, yep. the rest of it's not very expensive like, at all. Uh, and also I have family in Hong Kong. So right after Tokyo, I went to Hong Kong and stayed there for three months. And the plane ticket to, to Hong Kong from Tokyo was like 100 bucks. And so now you're in, now you're suddenly, you've gone from Japan to Hong Kong and you're writing for Lifehacker and you're writing for bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Are you picking up other freelance work? At, this at the time, no, because okay. Lifehacker... Uh, they kept me really busy, okay. actually. Yeah, I was writing like six, seven articles for them per week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they were keeping you busy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was, you know, that was good. And then, um, and then from there, that's kind of how the nomad thing sort of happened. So it's essentially it happened by accident. And so going back to the idea of digital nomad, I kind of happened upon it accidentally. Like it. it I created throughout the years of throughout my writing experience and throughout all the the years of my professional uh, career is just basically I built this skill set to allow me to work online, 
and I built the relationships to allow me to find work, you know, um, wherever. Wow. And those segued into other clients and other publications and that sort of thing. And I just continued to bounce around Asia for like close to a year. So Japan, Japan to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to where? Hong Kong to Singapore for a week, though. That was just kind of like a family trip. That's okay. Let's just hit all the places you want. Then Singapore, then? Then Taiwan, then South Korea, and then back to Japan for another month. Wow. And that was just Asia. So I came back after that and stayed in... um, At that time, I didn't have a lease anymore. I just basically, uh, after my lease... Uh, let up in Boise and just kind of put all my stuff in my parents' house. So my parents' house was kind of like my thoroughfare between my trips. So where were you living all this time? Like, were you just airbnb Were you... airbnb Okay. Yeah, because uh, the way I... Because I didn't have a lease, uh, mm-hmm. I basically saw it as paying monthly rent. Right. Yeah, so I just would rent Airbnbs for months at a time. Wow. Or I'm weeks so- at a time, depending on where I am or... That sort of thing. So you lived all over Asia. Then where else? Then I came back to LA for a little bit because mm-hmm. that's where my parents are. And then from there, I took off to Paris and London and Barcelona and then Hawaii. And this kind of like basically rounded out my 2016. Wow. Yeah. So you were just... Now, the last time uh, when I spoke to you about coming on here for the first time, I assumed that you were still... Uh, a digital nomad and a world traveler. And it's not, I mean, is that life as, as bodacious as it sounds? <laughs> so technically, I am still nomadic. Mm-hmm. I'm not tied to, nothing really ties me to anything, uh, to any set location. Mm-hmm. But when people hear about kind of my flexibility, I, I hesitate to say freedom because I think true freedom is much more elusive than people think. Mm-hmm. Because I still have to, you know, I still got to work. I still got to find... Wi-Fi is probably my tether. <laughs> I have to find that shit all the time. And that's like my number one priority. If You know Maslow's hierarchy? It's at the very bottom. Okay. Wi-Fi is absolutely necessary. That's what you have to have to stay alive. Yes. You must be able to send the text. <laughs> send the text. Send the text. And then we'll talk about breathing and sleeping and yeah. food and all that stuff. Um what was I talking about? That's all right. You were talking about <laughs> traveling and about whether it's as bodacious as it sounds. Right. So when people hear about that flexibility, I do understand the awe that it inspires. It sounds awesome. Um, but like, it's one of those things where it's grass is greener on the other side. And I, I totally recognize my privilege of being able to do this because not everyone can. And I tell this to everybody because I constantly get asked like, oh, how do I do this? Like, well... I, like I said, I kind of happened upon it. Yeah. But also, I had no debt. I paid it all off. Yeah. I um. I uh, I have avenues for steady income. Yep. And I don't have any family obligations, so right. it's much easier for me to just take off and do this. Mm-hmm. So. But um, the trade-off. The trade-off. There are a lot of, as every as in as with everything in life, there are a lot of ups and downs, and there are sacrifices to be made. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things I sacrificed was just sort of any sort of relationship. So, and what I mean by that is with old relationships, mm-hmm. sure, I have a lot of close friends that understand like when I am around, things are great. Like it'll be as if no time has passed. But the nature of relationships is when all the important things happen 
I'm not there and I mm. can't share in these moments to really develop that bond even yeah. deeper. And this, the same goes for new relationships. So all the people I met were out of like mutual travel convenience and they would um, all, I was never given the really opportunity to go deep with these relationships. Yeah. So I can meet a lot of people, but I don't really know them. Know so it's them. hard to build grounded friendships yeah. or lasting romances or things exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like a huge deal at first, but once you do that over and over again, you're saying goodbye to people and you're just starting to, you're just starting to bond with them and then you realize you have to say bye. And that is so emotionally taxing and it really messed with my head for a long time of like, okay, well, is there any point in putting any effort into this relationship anymore? I'm just saying, mm. you know, I'm just going to say bye anyway. And then also kind of made me um, mess with my head of like, mm. where's home exactly? I don't believe we're meant to be mobile people. They're psychologically it messes with us when you know, when you don't have some sort of, we don't have some sort of tether, like some sort of home base you can always go back to because one of the nice things about vacation is that vacation is great for two weeks and you're gonna do whatever, yeah. no routine. But after a while of no structure, you crave going back to a place where you can just, you know, kick off your shoes and just lie on your sofa in your own sheets or your own bed where <laughs> where you know the sheets have been washed. Yeah, that's always <laughs> very important. Oh, is, yes. is that sort of a thing you know? Yes, I, I, I. Well, again, I've never been a world traveler. When I lived internationally, I was in the same spot for you know close to three years. Mm -hmm. So uh, my experience was extremely different from yours. And I do envy a lot of the adventures you've had. But I also that does resonate with me the idea. I mean, I, my wife and I have moved around a lot. Um, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. My whole life has been. I've never been in the same place for too long. I've lived mm -hmm. in California longer than I've ever lived anywhere since yeah. I was an adult. Five years, and you that said, was five right? years, yeah. And even there, it's been like a couple of places. But I have been weirdly domestically nomadic, actually, mm -hmm. and it, it has affected my life deeply. And I don't have a place that feels like home anymore that I can go to. So yes, yeah, some of this is familiar, and I've had great experiences and adventures i i love them i treasure them but i do the older i get sit and go wow where do i belong mm -hmm. and i guess everybody does that as they get older but i think i might do it a little more and for mm -hmm. you i imagine it at this stage in your life right now yet here you are in la are yeah. you setting down roots i feel like i am but also there's that feeling of having one foot out the door which yeah. is kind of unfortunate because yeah maybe doesn't really give me a full chance to embrace LA as, you know, a potential, you know, home. Yeah. So there's kind of those things. But also I think when people really marvel at my life, they think it's it's full of adventure and that in some ways maybe an escape from their own life. Mm -hmm. But what I've found is that whatever problems and baggage you have and it does. It's gonna be the same wherever you go. Like yeah, you can't get away from it. You can't and I think, get away. You, I think you're just gonna be you, but somewhere else in country X Y Z. I agree. I think Angie and I have done something like that. I mean, if I add it up, we've 
we probably moved 11 or 12 times just since we've been married. And we've mm-hmm. been married less than 20 years. So mm-hmm. you average that out. It's pretty quick. We've been traveling around a lot. And I do think some of it was for opportunities and mm-hmm. just trying to make it work and uh, for adventure. But some of it, you do kind of get this feeling that you're going to leave things behind. And that's mm-hmm. not how I agree. Mm-hmm. So we're, what's... What's next, Stephanie? What are you going to take from what you've learned about this? Where, where, how's it changing your life now? So uh, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I consider myself still nomadic. I just kind of put pause on it. I'm not traveling as much. Like last year, I only traveled a bit more strategically. And when I say tr- strategically, it's to see people, okay. um, whether in a uh, business um, context or you know visiting family, that sort of thing. Um, so I, right now I'm in LA working remotely for a company, um, it's their, their smaller website aimed at entrepreneurs called Growth Lab. Okay. Um, and the sister site is called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Sounds sketchy, but it's a legitimate personal finance, personal psychology website. Can you teach me to be rich? I will try to, Jared. I would like to be rich. I don't have any money. Um, (laughs) can we change that? For sure. (laughs) All right, good plan. Excellent. Friends, we got to step away for a second for the break. When we come back, it's going to be time for that hard left turn to single serving. Big right back. Stephanie Lee, welcome back. Single serving time. All right, we ready for that hard left turn to all those questions. You ready to go? I am ready. I've been ready. As always. First question. What is best sandwich? Ooh, uh, peanut butter and jelly. Ooh, straight off right there. Quick answer from the hip. Yeah, (laughs) because I... There's just something about peanut butter and jelly. And when I make it, I usually have more peanut, like the peanut butter and jelly ratio. I have more peanut butter than jelly. Okay. And I know it's not, it's, I know it's a very American thing because I've asked like people outside of America mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, that sounds gross. Mm. <laughs> Whatever, Australians, keep your Vegemite. Yeah, um, which I've tried too and that's actually okay. I did not like Vegemite. I tried it. It didn't didn't grab me. You like that? It just tastes like pasty soy sauce to me. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like I'll just eat some tofu if I want some pasty soy sauce, I think. That's uh you gotta put a little miso on it mm. and I'll be uh I don't know. But anyway, um It's just hard to go wrong with a good PB and J sandwich, especially after a long hike. Yeah, okay. I do love that. What's it what's the best jelly for a PB and J? Ooh, that's a good question. I really like this blueberry jam from uh, Trader Joe's. I've been hooked on that lately. Oh, you said jam. Jam's, I'm a jam man. Jam is my jam. I don't actually know the difference really between like jam, jelly, preserves. Yeah, there's it's like... It's all the same to me. Okay, so my understanding, and again, I, I someone out there I'm sure will correct it. <laughs> jam yeah. is thicker. Jam is chunkier. Uh, jelly is is actually more the, the kind of thinner... Um, like not big chunks of fruit, whereupon jam is kind of pressed and mashed gotcha. actual fruit in there. Okay. I could be wrong about that. And preserves, who knows? I don't know. They're good. I yeah. like them. They're all good. Where do you fall on cobbler? What What do we like? You ever had a cobbler? Like yeah. A nice, what do you, where do you fall on cobbler? I like the streusel bits on mm. top. That's just my favorite part. Like okay. the, the fruit, the actual like filling is inconsequential to me as long as I can get the crumbs and the streusel bits. So that's what you want. That's fascinating. <laughs> So you like bready flavors. I guess so. You mentioned round foods earlier. You yeah. just got to bagels. What are other great round foods? Donuts, obviously. Right. And fritters too, but then they're kind of like a janky circle. A, jank, <laughs> a, j- a janky round thing. They're like the saw blades of the yeah. round food world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a fritter. I love it. What's uh, donuts? Uh, what's, what's, um, what else is? What's a sublime donut? 
you can't go wrong with like a really good classic glazed donut. That's how I'd usually judge a lot of donut shops. Mm -hmm. Apple fritters, glazed donuts, and sometimes if they have a really good like buttermilk or a blueberry donut. Oh yeah, okay, a buttermilk donut when it's done right. Mm -hmm. That's that's rare. Did you ever have the maple donut at Bob's Donuts in San Francisco? No, is that the giant one? No, it's not giant at all. It's it's regular size, and I'm not usually a fan of maple donuts. Yeah. But good lord, it's like it's life changing. Yeah. Really? Yes, it's like it's like biting into a donut and meeting Jesus. I mean, it's really incredible. I've never had a donut like this in my life. Well, next time I go to Bay Area, I will have to hit you up, and we're going to have to go get a maple donut. We are going to go down by Kalila's place. She lives near there. We're going to go to Bob's Donuts, meet up with Kalila, have some, have some Bob's Donuts. We're yes. going to do it. I'm going to hold you to that. You know, I'm, 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 I'm great to... with that. When yeah. are you going to be back in the bed? Hmm. I'm thinking later in the summer, actually. Oh, good. Yes. Yay. I can't wait to see you again. Yay. Nice. Likewise. What brings you up? Um, I mean, I go, I just go to visit people because oh, okay. I, otherwise I, I feel like nothing, there's really nothing in the Bay for me. Yeah. Just the people. Just memories and the people now. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So Stephanie, I wanted to ask you about this, the whole show. Yeah. You're like the only person I know that's a real grown up <laughs> because <laughs> you've, you've published pieces in the New York Times. You've published work in G- Gentleman's Quarterly. You've, you've. You are published in places where, like, grown-ups write things. <laughs> um, and you write about, like, important stuff for smart people. And so I want to know, obviously, uh, you, you certainly have a, you've, you've, you've got a secret we don't know. What is it? How does one become a grown-up and write for the New York Times? Can I say one thing? On Lifehacker, I r- once wrote uh, an article about why we like the smell of our own farts. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if saying that I write adult stuff is necessarily the right description. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. But, gosh, I want to, I mean, having written for IGN, okay, this is like going to get into kind of some nerdy like marketing stuff. That's fine. But like really what this writing for other publications is all about leverage and having written for IGN, which is a very reputable publication, mm-hmm. is a matter of just taking that and being like, hey, I wrote for IGN. And then you pitch a great idea to like Lifehacker that's relevant to their audience and being mm-hmm. like, I can write this for you because I've also written for IGN. Yeah, you and can then, trust me. Yes, exactly. And so the more you do that, once you get on Lifehacker, then you're like, well, I wrote on Lifehacker, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to write, I'd like to write for you too. So it's just kind of, you know, one for one, writing a lot. Two, um, coming up with new ideas to pitch to publications all the time. And then three, uh, leveraging them. Okay. Yeah. Well, did you did you pitch your NYT article then? Or I did. A, okay. I did. I wonder about that. And at a certain point too, like once you put enough articles out there, people will find you. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of the nice thing. It's just like a cycle, but, you know, it takes work. Like oh, it you, takes you put in a lot of work too to get into IGN and... And then, you know, kind of like meander your way. Yeah, I primarily do video now, but I still freelance, right? And I know what you're talking about with the difference between having that that stamp next to your name or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same with video, honestly, when you're trying to do appearances and things like that. Your previous body of work makes an enormous difference in what you get invited to do. Yeah, exactly. Like people want to work with, you know, they want people are willing to work with you if they know that you're not full of shit. And the only way to prove that you're not full of shit is to show, you know, previous work, really. I both laughed and burped. 
at that because I've been drinking these big bubbly Perriers and I'm reasonably sure. It is a very large bottle. I just made a terrible grapefruit burp. Yes, and I think this is my second one too. So Whoa, I, really? Oh yeah, I didn't I'm, notice that. It's hot in here. I'm, I'm trying. I'm burning through this water pretty quick. <laughs> Uh, what's the best song written in the last 100 years? Oh, man. I'm, like, terrible with that yeah? music stuff. That music stuff? <laughs> that music stuff. That is those, those droning rhythmic <laughs> noises. Can I just say, I'm, like, one of those weird creatives. I just called myself a creative. You Look at me. Yeah, Look at you. I'm an adult. Um, You've written for the New York Times. About, <laughs> you've written for Life Hacker about farts. Of course. <laughs> so... I'm like one of those weird creatives where I don't pay as much attention to other creative mediums as much as I feel like I should. So like, or maybe I should say I don't have as much of a fiery passion for other ones. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Like, so, liking what you like? I, I don't think there's anything strange about that. I just like, when I listen to music, it's just sort of like whatever's on my Spotify playlist these days. But it okay. is a genre. But as far as like... This is probably the most disappointing answer <laughs> the listeners will ever hear to like this Stephanie. I don't know about her anymore. But um, yeah, basically to your answer, don't know. <laughs> don't know. I'm good with that. Let me let me narrow it in on games for a minute. Mm. Um, what's a game soundtrack that still runs through your head? Ooh, Chrono Trigger. Ah! Chrono Cross, the opening song. Both of those contra- or contracts, both of those soundtracks I own. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Chrono Cross... Not my favorite game. Not mine either. But good lord, that soundtrack. Yeah, man. It's unreal. I already forgot the composer's name, though. Uh, oh, no, I'm burping again. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Listeners, I'm burping and I can't stop. All right. This is great radio. Yeah. Uh, right here. This is what everybody wanted. This More is entertainment. Uh, Dream of the Shore Near Another World is the one that always comes to my mind for that one. That's the one that's like that. Is it the opening With the Spanish one? guitar kicks oh, in. Oh, oh. The overworld the theme overworld from Other World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When so you're in Other World. Oh, there's okay. so much good music in that in that game. <sighs> Chrono Cross and Herder. Okay, you, you said the right words to make me happy there. Definitely. I remember like when I, when the game first came out, I just played the, I just let the opening go run like over and over again because I love the song so much. And this was before I bought the soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what happened to me when the first time I played Guardian Legend. Um, I started up that first corridor and I actually crashed my ship because I was just listening to the music because I'd never heard music <laughs> like that come out of a computer before. Yeah. I was just like wow that's unreal wood flutes on the nes what is this uh i remember near the first near i don't near the near automata is not related to that first near right? well they're related are yeah, they but, okay yeah. i'm so out of the loop with games by the way everybody but that first near on i think it was a ps3 mm-hmm. that had a great soundtrack too i remember yeah megan sullivan is always advocating for that mm-hmm. i used to work with megan but she she loved uh near and did like that rem- really i love good megan music. We had a lot of. We always have a lot of food-related questions uh, because I'm we like down food with around that. here. I love food. Um, food what, is life. What if food is food is life? When you're cooking for yourself, mm. what's your favorite thing to make? Mm. If it's just you at home, you're not cooking for anybody else, but you want something that's just like, oh, I'm making this to make me happy. What do you make? Yeah, you know what? I don't actually like spending a lot of time cooking, mm-hmm. so I, I usually just throw really quick things together. But my usual go-to is just making a really good, like, omelet. Ooh! Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I love omelets. Um, and I also love just quesadillas. Oh! super simple. Do you make your own quesadillas at home a lot, then? Yes. Yeah? I mean, I just get tortillas, 
and cheese and just put it on a pan and fold it like a ham no hot dog or like no like a quesadilla <laughs> so you're a big fan of hand folded foods i am like it's a, probably from, or pan folded foods omelets quesadillas maybe yeah. it's like kind of is traced back to my wow days where i just want something fast stephanie i think the real truth here is that both of those are round foods until you fold them Oh, you're We're back right. Back that again. See, it's just it's. Round I do foods love again. my round foods. You do foods. love your round foods. They're just folded round foods. I did not know. I did not put the two and two together. Man, we're gonna need to get a pizza for you. We're just gonna be all. I the do way love there. pizza there too. We go. I mean, round foods. That's the answer. Whoa. Wow, I just need, now I just need to cut my PB and J sandwiches. Round. <laughs> round. <laughs> Circle them off. And then. As you can see, I love just like kind of the really basic foods. Yeah. Um, but. When I go out to eat, I definitely like to explore different ones. So you like to explore, things. you just don't want yeah. to cook. Just don't want to cook. Yeah. Actually, I used to really enjoy cooking. As I've gotten older, I do less of it, um, mm-hmm. or at least less complex cooking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find myself in the same spot where, no, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just pay to have you make this for me. It'll be better than what I make it. It's with. also just hard to cook for one person. It is. Yeah. Uh, and Angie and I right now are on different diets. Mm. So we each are kind of preparing for ourselves anyway. Yeah. So she's not eating like. She's uh, not doing keto right now. Yeah. yeah. What, what, so I know you have like a whole bag of pork rinds in the kitchen right now. <laughs> what else are you eating out of curiosity? Okay, I'm just I'm not, asking you now. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not living on pork rinds. That won't, that won't keep me alive <laughs> I was gonna ask if you no. Were, like, there's not a lot of nutritional value to the butter. pork rinds. Those are just to keep just to but keep me so afloat. They're so delicious. Yeah, they are, uh, and uh, I got those from uh, an awesome uh, Latin grocery next to the place to my Airbnb here, and they're really good. Um, but most of what I'm eating throughout the day, I eat a lot of of grilled or seared meat with greens. That's that's a big staple. A lot of olive oil. A lot of greens, some mushrooms, a little bit of tomato uh, to get a little sweetness in there because that is allowed, and I be careful around that. Some butter, a lot of a lot of turkey, a lot of beef, uh, a lot of pork, um, some bacon. Although I try to avoid the carb end of bacon as much as I can. A lot of chicken, uh, some seafood, uh, avocado. You know all the staples. It that sounds go around. really good. It's a good one. Um, I'm getting hungry listening to you. And can I just say, this may be a very unpopular opinion, but. Bacon is freaking overrated. <gasps> overrated. Overrated. All right. Okay. Expound. I mean, first of all, you can't get full off of bacon. Like, if you do, you'd have to eat a lot of it. You have to eat about two pounds of bacon. Yeah, to to eat, yeah, off, yeah, and that's you know, that's not okay. Super salty. It is one thing. It is a lot of salt. It is so much salt, and like. I just don't feel like it enhances food. Like, oh, wow! You know what? You're, you share this unpopular and wrong opinion. Please continue. <laughs> uh, and it's just one of those things where it's like, just the it's like a fad type food. Oh. Okay, there is a faddishness to bacon. Bacon is hot right now. It's also kind of a cultish food. And I'm an OG bacon guy. <laughs> so my my counterpoint to your argument, and you make good points. Go home, get your peanut butter jar, get a slice of bacon, and put the peanut butter on the bacon. And and you put those two things together, and I don't think there's... And I can't have this on keto, because peanut butter is full of sugar, obviously, so... Unless not. you get the... Uh Unless you get like the uh, the just the natural ones, I, and I do, um, but even then I'm in first stage keto still, gotcha. where I can't can't go nuts yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, that'll be allowed. Pun not intended. Ah, exactly. 
but yeah, I, I do think you put peanut butter and bacon together. It's about the best thing in the world. But I think it's just one of those things with peanut butter. You put anything with peanut butter, like any salty kind of crispy thing with peanut butter is great. I've even had I the other day I made a peanut butter and potato chip sandwich. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Was it good? It was amazing. There's this. Uh, <laughs> you I used hit to, the nail on the head. I used to live in this little town in Florida on the coast, and they had a factory that made fresh chocolate covered potato chips. And they weren't like what you buy in stores. Most places I've been where they're all stale. The ones they made there, they like sealed, box sealed, and served like like boxes of chocolate. And the dark chocolate potato chips are still one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. Like they were incredible. That sounds so good. Because you bite in and the crunch was still there. Like, and it was like, oh, this is the best. Thing. Oh, I'll try to get you some. Uh, they're they're really good. My friends there in town that they have a factory that makes them right there. I'm I'm down to try that because mm. that is really good. Or that sounds really good. All right, well, this is always our last question on uh, single serving cake or pie. 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 Mm-hmm. She's a right minded person. <laughs> Why pie? Well, remember when we talked about cobbler? I really like the the the, crumb, the, the streusel, the crumb bits. I just yeah. like pie crust a lot. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, do you ever make pie, or are you uh, pie? I don't make pie. Yeah. Pie crust is the hardest part, man. Yeah, I bet doing a good pie crust. I'm not too good at it. My grandma was perfect at it. Mm. But, so you like a good crust? I like crust. Uh, yeah, that's basically what, it. What's your favorite like pie? Hmm, that's a good question. It's a toss up between. Custard pie and banana cream pie. Oh, those are both great. You know, mm-hmm. I still think that the Giants, uh, Nation's Giant Hamburgers, has great banana cream pie. Where? Uh, the the Giants hamburger chain here in California, the the ones that are open 24 hours. Nation's oh. Giants Hamburgers, the hamburgers are okay, but they make berry pies and they make banana cream pies. And their banana cream pies are great. Mm. The berry pies are really good, too. Mm. Um, they, yeah, they make pies in the shop there, and they're... That's the reason to go there. The burgers are like, eh, sure is a burger. But yeah. Yeah, there's probably some in L.A., I'll bet. They're all Sweet. over San Francisco. Well, uh, now I want pie. I'm just hungry now. Well, they're round. <laughs> I get they're round. They're round, well, that's too. That's the answer. They're round. We have the answer there. <laughs> Friends, thank you so much for watching. Stephanie, thank you for coming here. I, if people want to know more about Stephanie Lee, where, where do they go? What, what do they do? Well, I am on Instagram and Twitter at super lee 7 Super Leet. Super Leet. If we remember that Leet speak. We do remember that Leet speak. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to be clever, try to combine my last name too. Okay. But yes. Twitter and Instagram Super LEE7, which I haven't changed. That's like my hand that's been my handle even since my IGN days. Yeah, you got to keep that handle. You don't yeah. want to change that OG yeah. handle. Yeah. No way. Not if you can <laughs> avoid it. Friends, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting the show for another week. You can send us your mail at mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. That's mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. And uh, thank you so much for watching today. Hope you enjoyed all the fun E3 stuff we're doing over at Hot Blip and a Jump. And uh, hey, if you haven't checked out Red Dead Radio yet, even if you don't particularly care about uh, Red Dead Redemption, if there's any part of you that cares about Westerns, Cowboys, or just this kind of conversation level chicanery it's a lot of fun uh, give it a shot if you would all right see you next week bye bye